When it comes to growth, where you lean in, it starts with you as the entrepreneur. You have to get really clear on what your goals are, where your strengths are, and you have to continue to, to get clarity about that of yourself first. This is The E-Commerce Leader, a show for you, the owner of a thriving online business. In this shorter episode, we bring you our hot takes on topical and central e-commerce subjects, fresh from our expert panel, Chris Green, Jason Miles, Kyle Hamer, and myself, Michael Beasley. Let's jump in. Today's sponsor is Eva, the best Amazon stock management tool. How much has going out of stock cost you over the lifetime of your business? And what is it going to cost you this Q4? Eva predicts precisely what stock you need. It learns from your account and it improves constantly. Eva serves hundreds of private label seven-figure sellers. To get a 15-day free trial, go to amazingfba.com forward slash Eva. That's amazingfba.com forward slash E-V-A. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the call-in show of the e-commerce leader for hot takes. Today, we're talking about leadership, when to focus, when to expand. I think it's an absolutely cool topic. Um, really looking forward to everyone's thoughts on this. We've got Chris Green, Jason Miles, Kyle Hamer, and myself, Michael Veazey from London, England. Everyone else is in the US of A. So, ladies and gentlemen, oh, it's these gents, isn't it? Sorry. Let's get started with this topic. Um, Chris, I think you were the one who mentioned this. So, why don't you start off with your thoughts on when to focus and when to expand? I'm going to put you on the spot, buddy. Yeah, put me on the spot for this one because uh, this is probably a topic that I am probably the least qualified for. Not to, to catch you on that, but no, I was not the one to suggest this, but I'm happy to give my two cents. I do think there are a lot of people out there uh, who end up in my position a lot of times by accident. I'm speaking to the entrepreneurs who do this because they really like it. They enjoy it. They do it in their free time. They may even have a regular job, but they want to pursue something and work on something and they get kind of that rush or that joy simply out of that. And a lot of times when you do that, myself included, you don't really plan ahead because you didn't get into this on purpose. So as you start to build something, as something gets some traction and some profit and you're like, hey, this is really cool. You don't really know what to do next because you didn't learn this from anybody. You kind of just kind of made it up as you went along. So that's when you get stuck in a place where I would say, and I've gone through this myself, uh, you can either have control or you can have growth. And you get to that point, no matter what you're doing, if you want to expand. Now, when I say you can have control, or you can have growth. It means, look, if you want to keep doing what you're doing, there's probably going to be like a brick wall or like a, a hard ceiling of how big you can get by yourself. Now, if you want to keep control, that's great. But you're going to have a limit how big you can get or you can be. Now, if you're willing to partner and hire and expand and do all of these things, you're going to lose some of that control and you're going to lose that control in exchange for growth. So if growth is your goal then you're going to have to give up some control and you have to be okay with giving up that control. I learned something very interesting. I've been thinking a lot about the past couple of weeks is depending on the size of your opportunity is going to depend on the skill level of the players that are going to help you grow or that, that would be willing to be hired. That would be willing to even partner with you. And I've been thinking a lot about that because a players are looking for A opportunities. So not to say that everybody's opportunity isn't an A opportunity, but if you're selling on eBay, it's probably not the biggest opportunity in the world, depending on maybe you're making software that can expand all eBay sellers, something like that. If you're just a small eBay shop, you're like, I need to hire like an A player is going to come work for a small opportunity. And I don't want people to take that the wrong way, but it's just things to think about as you grow and, and expand and think about what your actual goal is. Uh, and then decide, look, do I need to keep control or am I willing 
to give up some of that control for growth. And that can be a really hard decision for people. And if people are struggling with that, I suggest they reach out to somebody who has gone through something similar and get their advice. Yeah, great points there. And sorry to pick on you when you weren't the person who came up with it, but fantastic answer. Great uh Drake takes there, Chris. Sorry to pick on you if that wasn't your topic, but very good takes. I, I can relate to a lot of that, quite not necessarily all in stuff I'm proud of either. But Jason, you're a man who thinks a lot about leadership. What are your takes on this topic? I love the topic. It's uh, it's challenging. This is the, one of the biggest challenges of leadership is where to focus your own personal time and energy. And then, of course, the time and energy of your team and the, your expense dollars. And you can fritter it all away, your time and your money and your team's time and money, or you can become effective through it. And it's the challenge of our lives in this career field. And I love it. It's a game to me. I'm focused on the, the V1 version of team building. I think a lot of times in my thinking in my life, I've done that now repeatedly in different businesses and now with the charity in two ways in the charity with the, the so power, powerful, so cooperative, and then also the 3Sers Farm. Uh, team and uh, the sewing team has over 50 people in it now on our team on our staff and the three esters farm this year will have a, a, about 40 people on the team so that v1 to v0 to v1 I, I, is where i find my energy and enthusiasm i have started so many things that i let go away though and that's the interesting part to me is the thing about our minds where we either do find value in something and invest ourselves into it we sell ourselves into it sufficiently or we see even if we see monetary results or, or success results we see something and yet for some time some reason in our minds we'll say to ourselves eh, not so much i'm not going to pursue that one and it's fascinating to me to watch people's behavior in this including my own where we can have the green shoots that the matched market with the customer fit and all that we can see results and something in us still says i don't want to pursue that opportunity or i'll let it languish and i'll let it die Sometimes that's the right call for specific reasons. Other times I think I've looked back in my life and I thought, why in the world didn't I invest the time and energy to grow something in that space? What was I thinking? And hindsight's twenty twenty, of course. But anyway, th th these are my ramblings and, and ideas on this topic. And I love it. I, I want to hear from you guys and learn from you. I think what Chris said is just completely right. And uh, yeah, this is a, this is an area of, I think, personal growth for all of us. No one is expert at this. We're all learners, you know, as we approach it. So. Absolutely. And it feels to me like an area where personal growth meets business structure as entrepreneurs. Kyle, what are your takes on this? Obviously, you had lots of, of different thoughts from Jason and Chris already. Yeah, I think when it comes to growth, where you lean in, it starts with you as the entrepreneur. I think you have to get really clear on what your goals are, where your strengths are, and you have to continue to, to get clarity about that of yourself first, because it reminds me of John Maxwell's Law of the Lid, right? When he's talking about organizations, your organization's only going to scale and grow to the level in which you are. So if you are the lid on the leadership capacity and growth of your organization, then you have to be aware of that. And we all have our blind spots, we all have our weaknesses, and it's about recognizing what those are and then getting the right people into your organization that you can then uh, have them fill those roles in which you're weaker in. So I think it all comes down for starting with realizing what do you want, what are you good at, what is what are you really passionate about? Because to Jason's point earlier, one of the reasons I think, was well, a couple of reasons why I personally think why we pivot and jump to different things. One is that we're 
live in a culture in which there's marketing messaging is programming us to think and jump from thing to thing. And we've trained ourselves on social media. So that's part of it. But I also think sometimes we just have a tendency as humans to overemphasize the short term versus the long term. And we don't give enough time and space to long term thinking about the outcome of something. And so we get bent towards a short term. If it works right now, great. I'll push into it. But even if it works just a little bit, it may, be not, it may not potentially work as fast as this other thing or that I'm super interested in as well. And so it's part of that is that you're thinking about short term versus long term, but it also plays into your personality a bit too. Some people are just more wired to be start. That's where they get their energy from. And I think that's great. And you should lean into it. Other people are maximizers, right? They want to see something get started and then see its fullest potential and just get maxed out to the it's just absolute best and you need those people in your organization so understanding where you fit in that i think is really important and then so i think all these decisions start outside of the external business business environment that you're operating in doesn't matter what your business model looks like who your competitors are all that stuff is interesting and great but i think it all starts with you as the leader of your organization as the entrepreneur um, and getting clarity on uh, that topic more clarity back excellent yeah love your thoughts on this this has gone very broad relative to what i was assuming for some reason when i heard focus versus expansion i suppose i took it a very narrow sort of business expansion sort of way but everything you're saying makes sense and i think what i'm getting back from you guys is it's a very personal thing it's about personal development more than anything else i think that's absolutely right i think my old english teacher oxford educated guy the best metaphor he came up with is butterfly versus potato on this which isn't very great result for some expensive education but i guess what he meant is a butterfly is somebody who flits from opportunity to opportunity from thing to thing and to your point carl that could be a virtue if you're really good at starting you're getting from version zero to version one i really like that V, v0 to v1 in, in your phrase jason you obviously have done that multiple successful times but i do think focus is a really underrated quality bill gates and warren, warren buffett both were asked at some point to write down on a piece of paper what they admired as a quality in business people and they both wrote the word focus independently of each other i think and there is a lot in that i think reflecting on what you've said and, and my thoughts i think expansion can be driven by great reasons and terrible reasons. Uh, shiny object syndrome can be a really bad reason for the entrepreneur, although it's great for the person selling you into the latest, you know, TikTok marketing school or whatever. And I think often there's an assumption that if you go into a new marketplace or you have a new product line, more products equals more revenue equals more profit. And, and that equation can break down quite quickly, especially with physical products. So I, I think that if in doubt, I think focus is probably the master quality. I, I'm not sure to your point, Chris, that I'm a very great example of focus. I'm, I'm very good at going all over the map and getting excited by new things. And maybe I just have to lean into that. Maybe that's why I'm better at running podcasts than I am at developing e-commerce um, empires. But so I, I can definitely confess to being more of a butterfly mind than somebody who's very focused. What's our, our sort of round two takes on this? Chris, any any second thoughts, having heard everyone else's thoughts? As much as I thought at the beginning that like I'm not going to have as much to contribute, the way that this has gone is like my mind's going to like a, you know, 100 miles an hour, like trying to help people and i've done this for so long that i feel i know people from every spectrum on this business line to the hundred million dollar entrepreneur to someone who's just starting out and where they are and people have different questions and honestly it took me a long time to even realize that people see the world completely the way that i see the world someone else is going to see it completely in a different way which means they're not going to see an opportunity that i see they may see an opportunity that i don't see and I say this as in you have to be self-aware of who you are, what your strengths are, what your goals are, what you want to do. And not just like your strengths, but also your weaknesses. Where am I weak? Where am I never going to get better? Or where am I not willing to get better? Where am I not even aware 
that I do not have the skill set to, to do any of this. And I see this commonly in the entrepreneurs who start selling online. Amazon will let you play with fire as a seller and with, with no, they won't stop you. You can come in and play with fire and you can burn yourself. And I've seen it happen over and over again. And it's never with bad intent. I've never seen someone come in and say, oh, I see a loophole here. I can take advantage of on eBay or Amazon or a marketplace. They just don't know the rules. Uh, they don't know that they don't know the rules. A very interesting quote, I forget who said it is, being wrong feels the exact same as being right. Like nobody knows that they're wrong. So when they make mistakes, they think they're doing the right thing, but they don't know until afterwards. And a lot of times it can be hard to take advice from people. It can be hard to hear that you're doing something wrong. It can be hard to hear that, hey, you, you really don't, I don't know what you think, but you don't know what you're getting into. Uh, if you want to go deeper on that, it's called the Dunning-Kruger effect. There's lots of information online about that. You, you, I do feel you have to be uh, self-aware. And, and a bigger thing that I think people need to understand is you can't just hire away every problem, depending on what you want to do. And think of Facebook, think of Mark Zuckerberg. If he owned 100% of Facebook, he has hired employees to do every single thing. Uh, where is he going to get those A players who come in and say, oh yeah, I can get you into China. Like the CEO of Coke. Oh, I can expand in, in, in Europe for Pete's sakes. I know how to do that. That's a valuable skill. They're not going to come in and do it for an hourly rate kind of thing. They're going to be like, yeah, I'm worth it. And I need some equity here. I need to be a partner. And that goes back to what I said at the beginning. You have to give up some control. You're not willing to give up some control, that's okay. You can have complete control, but you're not going to have the, the growth potential, the growth opportunities. And it's just thinking about things like that and, and being okay with giving up some control of, for lack of a better metaphor, your baby, like your literal child. That's how people see their business sometimes. And they're like, no, I'm not willing to give up any control. I'm not giving up 1% of this. You see it on Shark Tank sometimes. Like, oh, and I'm not willing to give up 5%. And they, what's the quote that they say? I'd rather have 50% of something that's selling than 100% of something. That happens over and over again. And I feel people don't even realize it when that's them. Happening to them, they don't see it. And I go back to, if you're in this kind of position, you're not sure what you need, and go talk to somebody. Be willing to pay people money, especially people who are farther along this journey than you are. They have the answers that you need. Be willing to pay them for their time. The simple gesture of offering to pay for their time is often enough because they're like, okay, good. this guy's not just trying to get like a freebie, pick your brain session. And if you're nice, they might just talk to you for free and they'll get you on the right track. And then the last thing is you have to take their advice. You have to say, you know what? I don't really understand why this $100 million seller is suggesting I do this. I'm going to take his advice and we're going to see where it goes. And that's how stuff gets done, you know, or, or don't listen to any of this and see where you are in the next five years doing the same thing. I don't know. <laughs> I, I like that challenging uh, approach. I, I think there was a, a quote about the percentages of your own work versus somebody else. I, maybe it was John Paul Getty, somebody like that. He said, I'd rather have 1% of 100 people's work than 100% of my own, which is uh, an interesting. That was obviously somebody who liked hiring people. Jason, I think you're next up. What's your sort of response to all this stuff? Well, I love the line of thinking about hiring A players and finding a team that you can construct. And I used early in my career as a compensation analyst and, and then a human resources generalist, which is the guy who helps hire and fire and reorganize and all that. And I always remember talking to supervisors who would want to build a team. And they, frequently they'd say to me, we have to recruit a PhD or a, like a, an amazing, we got to get somebody from Google or we got to get somebody from Microsoft who can come in and, and really revolutionize our department. And the pushback I would always give them was, no, actually, they won't work for you, first of all. <laughs> Sorry, but to Chris's point. But I would also say this, that what you actually want to do is build a t department process that can be staffed by the Walmart greeters or somebody who just got promoted to shift supervisor at McDonald's, who you can realistically recruit 
bring into the department and the system that you built is so slick, organized, and put together that they can have a good time doing it and be successful. You don't lean on an expert. You let, you know, relatively amateurish people lean on you as the expert. And in that way, you build a process where you can staff it infinitely because you can find people who can come in easily and take parts and pieces. And the brain trust part of it is yours to sort through. And a lot of supervisors and organizations that are just coming up haven't thought that through. A lot of entrepreneurs haven't thought that through. And Chris, to your point, you will not find a world-class expert to help you grow a six-figure business. <laughs> just it's not going to happen <laughs> unless you pay them through coaching, which all of us do coaching. We serve as coaches. And so we're happy to work with people in that way, but it's a you know contractual paid gig. And so I, I just think we all should think through that more and more. How do we build our system around the object effort, the product delivery and the market you know match for our product or service with a team that can execute? And that team that can execute should be good people, competent people, hardworking people, but they in no ways can be world-class experts because you're just not going to find them and keep them. And if, even if you did, they'd probably come in, work for you for six months and then leave and be your competitor and totally learn from you and move on, which all these scenarios happen in real life. I think that's an area that focus is vital is a staffing piece, but staffing is just one part of this whole conversation of focus versus expansion. I think the biggest suggestion I would make for people is you have to just make deliberate decisions about what you really want your team to be. If you want to have a scaling, growing team and that, then lean all in on that. But if you want to be a solopreneur with a couple helpers that are contractual VAs or something like that, refine that model. Whatever acts you choose to pick up, sharpen it, I think is the best suggestion here from where I sit. So there you go. Lots of things there. I'm, I'm going to come back in if I may, because I've got a few responses to that. And I don't think I can keep them in my brain long enough, Kyle, if you're okay to wait for a second. First of all, I, I think what you said just made me think that if you are the expert you, you, creating a system that can be run by people who are sort of Walmart's employees or McDonald's or whatever, what we're calling a sort of basic kind of employee. What strikes me is that an awful lot of people are in that situation who are trying to build a business based on a course or following not just a course, but quite maybe following some kind of coaching system. And I think there can be a danger at overrating yourself as a, a business builder if you're in that situation that you're very dependent on the quality of training that you're getting. So that's something that I always find makes me a bit wary that possibly once you become, if you're going to be the person leading the business, you shouldn't just be a Walmart level followed by the numbers, but you should actually educate yourself in a broader sense, which hopefully is what our mission is at the e-commerce leader. The second thing is, um, I really like what you just said about if you're going to be a solopreneur, lean into it. The classic person that springs to mind is Seth Godin, who is basically a freelance writer and speaker and incredibly good at it, I think, and gets better as he gets older, I think, which is unusual that his message is getting more and more refined and more interesting to my ear. And he says that the biggest delusion out there is if you think you're running a business, i.e. an entity that should run without you, but you're really being a solopreneur or you're being a freelancer, i.e. when you work, you get paid and when you don't. And I think I see that quite a lot. And I think I know some people that are successful at either end of the spectrum, one of which he's just gone from literally being a solopreneur and sold his business for seven figures in the mastermind. Another member of the mastermind grew his business to eight figures during the time that I was working with him and has a team of must be an ex of six, uh, 60, 70 people. And I think you're absolutely bang on with that. It's one way or the other. Uh, it's just the main thing is to not delude yourself. 
about that one. Kyle, let's bring you back in. What are you? Okay, wait, wait, wait. Okay, Kyle, did not respond to Kyle, jump in on this one. This is great, great stuff. Go for it, man. Yeah, I think all the advice so far has been uh, solid, right on point. I think that it is wisdom. At what point, though? I guess my question is: Do you know you're ready to expand your focus? And I think that getting clarity on what that trigger looks like for you is important as well. And my advice on that, my thinking on that, to Jason's point, building a simple system, you're ready to expand your focus when you've simplified your systems in your business to the most simplest processes possible. That's when you have the capacity, I think, to start looking at other things, to expanding and and. and acting on the curiosity. I think all of us as entrepreneurs have a level of curiosity and that drives our our interest in looking at other things, looking at other ways to do business, looking at other marketing channels, all that kind of stuff. And so I think that's normal, but I think uh, maturity and wisdom that says, you know what, that's great. I'll look at that later, but it's not for now. Well, when that for now is open to us, I think is when we've simplified and really done that. The other thing I would say real quickly, when you know you're ready to expand is oftentimes we think of expansion as external only. It's I want to add more products. I want to add more marketplaces. I want to add more customers. It's all external focus, but there's an internal growth process as well in your businesses where to Jason's point, who are you hiring? What systems have you simplified? And if you're focused on internally growing the foundation of which you're going to build the next level of your business on, whether you're hiring people or whether you're just trying to manage yourself as a solo entrepreneur, Having that time to build internally is, I think, as or more important than even driving to build and expand externally. Those are my thoughts. Excellent. Can I, those can thoughts. I, um, yes, can Jason, I come back in? Invite yeah, yeah, back yeah. in. I know you, you were keen to come back in. Yeah, no, the, the thing that you piqued my interest with was the idea of a basic course that you learn from as a, a, a rank amateur. Let's just call it rank amateur. Dave Espino, eBay auctions for profit TV t- show infomercial was where I first got my any introductory training on internet selling. I wanted to sell on the internet, but I didn't know how I bought his infomercial. That system was step-by-step how to sell on eBay. And I think that the interesting part of this to me is when to focus and when to expand is really about your evolution as a learner and implementer. And you can take the most basic YouTube video or the most basic infomercial from Davis Mino 20, you can still watch his thing from 20 years ago on YouTube and you could still extract value from it if you're a rank amateur. And But the whole game we're in is, can I execute and have a result and learn from that result? And then can I level up my skills just like an electrician or a plumber or engineer? You ever, I sometimes I look in front, stand in front of a skyscraper and I think to myself, how in the world did these engineers have the level of competency to know that this thing is going to work? Well, they didn't start with a hundred story skyscraper. They started with, this is the basics of you know, engineering and construction and they learned it and they learned it from masters. And all of us are in that position where we're the rank amateur and with no disrespect to anybody who comes up as a shift supervisor at McDonald's and wants to be into e-commerce or somebody who works at Walmart and wants to be in e-commerce. We all have been there. We have all been early in our careers and our efforts. And to me, that the, the identification of a system and then the replication of it is a training wheels process we all go through. And then you get the what you might call the privilege 
of deciding whether you want to focus on that one original thing or you want to learn a new thing. It's almost like you earn the right to expand or not once you've mastered one core idea, which you could learn from a blog post or a YouTube video or an expensive $2,000 course or that kind of thing. So anyway, that was my, my uh, thought as you uh, mentioned the idea of introductory training and what that means for us or doesn't mean for us. So there you have it. Excellent. Chris, I've got an instinct that you'll have something to say about this because I know you, you often have in mind the people who are in the early stages or, or thinking about trying to teach themselves. What, what are your thoughts on this one? Just to wrap up. I'm bouncing around a whole, whole bunch of different things. But I, I think of leading yourself versus leading others. And I think leading others is a skill that people don't naturally maybe gravitate towards, especially if they started a business and they're doing it all themselves. They're a solopreneur. I try to throw it a little in people's face so that their attention that they probably own a job. And if you think you own a business, but you actually own a job, that's good to know. Don't take it as an insult because a lot of people take it the wrong way. And they're like, don't tell me I own a job. And I'm like, well, stop doing it and see if you still get paid. And they make something up. So it's, again, about being self-aware. And I think a lot of people take a lot of pride in their initial growth of building something. Like, hey, this makes money. I do X, Y, and Z. I'll make money and I can do it on my own schedule. And this is like amazing. And I'm going to tell all my friends. But if all your friends are still working hourly, how are you going to level up? And that's why I think people need to join masterminds. They need to expand their network and, and their circles and be like, I need to be hanging out with people that are at the level that I want to get to. I want to be the dumbest person in the room. I want to hang out with people smarter than me. And a lot of people get intimidated by that. So they don't do it. And they wonder why their business never grows and all this stuff. And I, I would challenge people. And I, I, I don't think I've ever seen eBay or do this, but anybody who's, who's built their own business and saying, look, this is great. I did that. I actually did the numbers. I make a hundred dollars an hour from home. Like, this is great. This is, I am happy. I am very pleased with myself that I have made a system where I can make a hundred dollars per hour. And then I would say, do you think you could hire somebody for $50 an hour to do everything for you? And then you make $50 an hour and can grow and expand and do whatever else you want to do. And I've yet to see someone pull that off, which sounds completely crazy. Like how on earth is someone who's built a seven figure Amazon business, not able to simply hire someone to place orders and restock inventory and hit the reprice button every now and then. And I think it's a, it's a matter or, or it's a case of people not willing to give up control, not willing to hire someone else. And I would even peg it more succinctly or specifically on a non-willingness to learn how to hire, non-willingness or an unwillingness to learn how to train. And I say this as, as personal experience. They're like, no, I don't enjoy the process of hiring. I don't enjoy the process of training but those are my direct responsibility. I'm going to hire somebody. It's my responsibility to train them and keep them busy and give them tasks that are profitable and all these things that falls on me. And I've done a bad job of it in the past. So I'm trying not to negative self-talk myself too much, but because of my past, it's become frustrating for me to hire someone else. And it's this little loop that I need to like hang out with like people like Jason Miles more and say, help me get out of this loop kind of thing. So if you're in that loop, I share openly that I've been stuck in that loop. Uh, so if you're stuck there, hey, you're not alone. Okay, but know where you are and know the help that you need and be willing to humble yourself and get it. Otherwise, keep working for $100 an hour for yourself, but you're never going to get any bigger. You're going to you're going to be stuck. You got total control, but you got zero growth. What's your choice? 
like it. Jen, so since we mentioned getting help a couple of times, let me just go around the table quickly, just check in if people want to go to any masterminds or get coaching, where people should go. I think we should be not too shy about telling people about this every so often. Chris, let's start with you since you just mentioned being willing to pay somebody or possibly join a mastermind. How do people work with you if they want? You can always find me at chrisgreen.com, facebook.com slash chris. I'm pretty easy to find. I'm pretty easy to get a message to. One thing I would I'd take great pride in myself is if I don't know the answer, I will one, tell you I don't know the answer, but I probably know someone who does have the answer. So if I'm not the person to directly help you, I will point you in the right direction. And you can be darn sure that whoever I point you to is legit and is good. And I won't say they're to be the best, but they're too good. You might not be able to afford it. But tell me your budget. I'll tell you someone you can, <laughs> you can afford, depending on the level you're at. You want to connect with a $100 million seller? I can do that for you. But if you're not there, if you haven't sold your first million, don't. Don't try to make that connection. But long answer, sorry, I do it all the time. Uh, I will point you in the right direction. Either I can help you or I'll know someone who can. Great. Thanks, Chris. Like that answer, by the way, I would say similar things about myself for, for what it's worth. If anyone's considering working with me, I, mean, I would also say I often don't know the answer, but I try to be brutally honest. I, and I try and turn a heck of a lot of people away who approach me for work uh, if I can't help them. And uh, yeah, like you, I'm lucky enough to know some very bright people, like the very people on this call, indeed. Jason and Kyle, I know you you're jointly offer your coaching effort. So how do people get hold of you and, and what you, you offer in terms of coaching and mastermind? Yeah, we offer both one-on-one coaching for e-commerce sellers that are looking to expand and grow. Oftentimes we work with six-figure sellers that are looking to go to the next level. Often it is Amazon sellers or eBay sellers that are looking to make a transition to omni-channel selling, whether that be on uh, usually on Shopify, and then also just expanding and growing their brand. So if, that, if you're in that position, you can connect with us at winningonshopify.com and uh, visit our coaching slash coaching. And we have a page there. You can go and see more about it and uh, apply to work with us. And then we also run other masterminds as well. Amazon reseller mastermind. And that is designed specifically for Amazon uh, resellers who are going to work in that business model. So RAOA, wholesale, sort of the replens, replenishable items. Those are the things that they focus on. And so we run a mastermind for that as well. Excellent. Just remains to say final final pitch of the, the show. First of all, thank you, gents, for your thoughts. Very thought-provoking stuff. A lot of personal development involved in this one, it seems, and uh, something we we all got to reflect on. If you are enjoying the show, don't forget to subscribe on whatever podcast player of your choice. If you're on Apple Podcasts, we'd love your highest and best review. And finally, the call-in app seems to be blowing up with 10x the, the downloads recently. So do come and join us there. That's an exciting place to be. If you're looking for expansion and, and being part of a new uh, platform, then call in C-A-L-I-N. Just look it up in your iPhone and do come and join us there every Tuesday, 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern or 4 p.m. UK time. Thanks very much for listening. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.